We are not affiliated with, nor do we represent Alcoholics Anonymous. We are simply here sharing our experiences, strength, and hope so that hopefully we can help someone through another day. Okay. Hi, I'm Vicki. I'm Lynn. And I'm Bree. And, and we, we are, are telling, telling on ourselves. Telling, telling, telling on ourselves. Telling, telling, telling on ourselves. Telling on ourselves. Telling on ourselves. Telling, 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 telling on ourselves. Yay. Welcome. Guess what, guys? What? This is episode 20. Two, zero. I can't even believe it. I'm so proud of us. I can't even. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in and giving us ideas and suggestions. Yes. Which our suggestion this week we are doing as a topic is rebuilding. So thanks, TZ. Awesome. Yes. And we will get to that, but not until we do uh, First Thought Wrong. First Thought Wrong. And Brie is the lucky winner of the golden ticket. I feel like I win this a lot. See, I went through a spell. Do you think we're fair? Well, I went through a spell where even? I felt like I did it a lot too. So okay. I, think, I think it's like the person that always changes the toilet paper roll. They think they're the only <laughs> ones that does it because it's just one of those really it's annoying tasks. <laughs> you guys, I'm the only one over here changing the toilet paper roll. <laughs> it's. I think it's just, it kind of goes in cycles. Okay. Like a season. Okay. And it's your season. It's my season. So anyways, yes, I did win first thought wrong and... It's a bad one, but it's a funny one too because I shared it with Lynn this morning and she was cracking up. So I was laughing with you, not at you. Yeah, I was laughing too because I was like embarrassed at my behavior. <laughs> so, but anyways, this is this is the story. Um, it's about storytelling. Funny enough, I was having a conversation with someone who's also a salesperson, and part of being a good salesperson is being good at telling stories. So. They had asked if I would please tell a story, and I actually had a good story from earlier in the day that I thought was funny and that I could tell. So I started telling the story, and I was feeling really great about it, and I get to the punchline, and they interrupt and guess the punchline and talk over me and say the punchline, and they were right, and I was so furious by it. Something in that had offended me, and... I accused them of doing this all the time. I said, well, you probably interrupt people all the time, don't you? Um, (laughs) And I don't, yeah. So then I hung up on them to make it worse. Then I hung up the phone. 30 minutes later, it took me 30 minutes to kind of come to my senses after Mm -hmm. sitting in my car in the parking lot quietly, basically replaying the story and trying to come down from my anger, did I finally call them back and apologize and say, it wasn't anything about you. That was about me. I'm really sorry. I acted like a child. So yeah, that was my first thought wrong. Second, and the 30 minutes. So even though I knew and on the phone before I hung up on them, I was trying to tell myself in my mind to not get angry about it. It's okay. Try to move past it. Cause the person was egging me, um, the person was trying to encourage me to keep telling the story, to finish with the story. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please, please finish. Tell me, tell me what the punch, tell me what you were going to say. I want to hear it from you. But I could not get over my anger. Mm -hmm. And then when I had hung up the phone, the anger kept growing. So it's it's funny because there were two things happening. The anger was growing, but I was also talking to myself about how stupid and silly I was being. Mm -hmm. Because if anyone else had called me to tell me, 
you know, the story or if, if I had called one of you two to tell you what had just happened, I would have felt stupid telling you that this is something I got angry about because it is so silly. The, and Lynn, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, so this morning when you were telling the story, your delivery was hilarious, and that's really what I was laughing at. And I think you said, "Can you? What did you say? It was something like you just fucking took my story. They I mean, stole my glory. Yeah. yeah." And while you were talking, I had my neon sign moment with you, and it said she lost her control, and that was that was your trigger that maybe um, you didn't even realize it was so important to you to to have that and they took it away and so you had like this um frustration and anger that didn't have an outlet and you know when you were talking about your mind was doing two different things isn't it almost like an out-of-body experience it's like you can see yourself being crazy but you can't stop the crazy right it's like you know you're being really crazy right now yeah but i'm i'm too far in i'm i'm like entrenched i'm committed to the crazy now (laughs) the brakes are not working it's like you're in san francisco going down a big old hill and you're screwed Well, and you just brought up something that I was with the control thing. Uh When I am on the phone with a customer and they're talking over me, I really can't shut them down and say, hey, you're being rude and you're interrupting me and I'm trying to explain this to you. Please be rational. So because I was talking to a friend, I felt more comfortable to fly off the handle at them. Mm -hmm. So it probably was all of those that repressed. Yeah. Um loss of control that I feel with my, when I'm actually on the phone with a customer now displacing it onto my friend. And so you're right about that. Losing control, getting my control taken away. Absolutely. And then you weren't allowing yourself to feel your feelings. You kept telling yourself it was stupid to be mad. Yes. So yeah, you were judging yourself and I was, and not being kind to yourself. I mean, you know, you got to feel all the feelings. You don't just feel the good stuff. You got to feel the stuff you're ashamed of. I have a question. So my question is, how did you get... So you said 30 minutes, right? You were 30 minutes in this tizzy. So how did you get out of it? Talking to myself, which was kind of like prayer, like talking to my higher power and God, please take away the anger. Please take away the obsession to to ruminate in this and to be angry and to, to feed off of this. And talking to myself as in, I know this person didn't mean to offend me. Like they were laughing with me as I was telling the story. And when they delivered the punchline, they were laughing. They clearly enjoyed the story to the point where they were able to anticipate the hilarity, the hilarity of it. Why am I mad about it? Yes. Here's the, here's the good news. You were telling a good story because if someone gets it and they get to the punchline with you, that means they are fully engaged and they they are listening to your story and the number one thing about telling stories is you want people to be engaged and listening so you were killing it thank you second good news is that you did the right thing by just sitting there and not i think you told me in the meeting that they tried calling back and you didn't answer it that yes. was a good thing because if you had answered it you would have said and this is the other reason this riot rap <laughs> riot act number 2 yeah, yeah exactly. round 2 so you you suppressed that urge that would have given you maybe some instant gratification because you know when you're angry it wants to be uh, it wants to be kept getting fed and you refuse to feed it so you gave yourself time to calm down to to let that fire burn out and then you were able to swallow my pride and call and apologize and that's a win that's a big w well not only is it a big w but it's actually living in recovery you were working your program you were doing all the things you paused you went to god you thought about using your tools 
and and you were you use the the number one tool, which is higher power. Take this away from me. Take mm-hmm. this disgusting feeling I have right now away from me. And then you um, owned up to what you did, and you asked for forgiveness. I did. That is like the best and first it, thought wrong ever, I think. Well, we, thank you. I can't wait to tell you guys the story. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you can beat me to the punchline too. Who knows? I don't know. Well, we get to use all these great examples of the tools that we learn in recovery of how to deal with just life-to-life silly mm-hmm. shit. Because sometimes it is so silly. And, you know, some of the biggest fights and probably... Um, separations of relationships have started over small things because it's not about the small things. It's about triggers that they are not recognizing or not able to. Well, and this is a really good example of Mm -hmm. it's not really about that person. No. It's about you, right? So when someone gets mad at us and when, and we're, when we're the friend on the phone, we have to realize that it's more, more times than not, probably 98% of the time, it's not about you. It's about what's going on in that person's environment, what's going on in that person's mind. You were, it was all about you telling a good story because you wanted to do a good job for yourself and for them because it defines how good you are at your job and then your job that represses you. I mean, there's so many different dynamics that we're all dealing with. So when someone gets upset with us, it's so easy to take it personally, but really... It is not about you. Don't take it's the four agreements. The four agreements. I can only say enough. It's the greatest book in the world. Don't take anything personally because it's not about you. So I will give myself a little pat on the back then because I was not perfect and I I flew no. off the handle at first. I was not perfect, but I came back from it. But you, you know did. what it was? It was an AFCO. It was an AFCO. And what's an AFCO, people? Another fucking growth opportunity. Giddy up. Oh. Giddy up. Cowboy up. Cowboy up and grow it up. Thank you, Bree. Thanks for sharing that. And sure. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> when I was laughing this morning again, it, it really was because of your delivery. And the more we flesh this out, as we talked about what really happened and all the dynamics, I can think of so many examples in my life where I've flown off the handle or gotten offended or got my feelings hurt. And it wasn't about anything that person could have done differently that would have, you know, it's just it was my things that I was dealing with at the moment. And I want to say something, you know. Um, In this day and age, I don't know, I think you're old enough to know, but there was a very big satisfaction back in the day when phones were hanging on the wall, especially. And I don't know about you, but I get a lot of satisfaction about slamming doors Mm -hmm. and, you know. Slamming phones. Slamming phones. I used to, when I would be mad at someone, because it was usually geared towards, I don't know. I, I won't say boyfriends. Boyfriends. Beer in and the I face. I would get so mad and I, beer in the face. Do you know someone did that to me once? We were me and, and my they friend, got a lot of satisfaction out of it. They did, and I, you know what? I was scared of that person. My friend Michelle and I was after late. Of course, it was after we were late night drinking. We were coming home to drink some more, and it was this neighbor guy that she knew, and he was cuckoo kachu um or poo poo kachu i don't even know what i said jim um but i was sitting there and we were probably being obnoxious because that's how michelle and i were and and this guy took his beer and he threw it right in my face and i was sitting there i didn't know what to do i was just looking at him yeah, it was quite funny. But the, but but slamming the phone down used to feel so good, hanging up on people. I don't do that anymore. I was just thinking about in my room, I have one of those little princess phones. Yeah. And I would slam it and they go, kr, 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 and just keep beating. Yeah, yeah. Once I broke Mickey Mouse's arm off. <laughs> See what you 
kids are missing out on? Oh, <laughs> what you did miss well, out on? you know, my son did break my daughter's cell phone yeah, that's because cool. he got mad. He chucked it across the room and it shattered not only the front but the back too. Yeah, so now cool. he has to pay for two phones. Poor kid. Well, so what's the meaning? <laughs> so today we are talking about how do we rebuild our lives? What do we do to rebuild our lives after we crawl out of that dark abyss of um, whatever is going on with us? To so bring I, us into these rooms. Yes, to bring us to these rooms and to the people and the tools and all the good things. Um, so I looked up the definition of rebuild. Rebuild means to build something again after it has been damaged or destroyed. So when we have to rebuild, you know, we come in here and, and we have to, like, surrender. For me, it was all about that that giving up of any thought that I could control my drinking, that I could control my thoughts, that I could control my life. I had to surrender. And, and once I really got to that point where I was willing to surrender, then I could look at the rebuilding. It took a minute. I mean, it took some time to surrender and keep surrendering. I mean, I want to say months before I really started to rebuild. And I was willing to rebuild for me. Yeah, I didn't even know what my life was going to look like. So to say I'm, I was going to start rebuilding it was way too overwhelming. And I think that mantra of one day at a time um, really is so important because one day at a time is not just about not drinking. It's about not trying to look at all of the destruction and devastation or the, you know, the relationships that have been hurt or destroyed. You can't take it all in. Our brain, because it, it is in like self-protection mode, it, it's not going to... It's not going to be able to process it. And when you do process it, well, for me, when I try to process it, I just shut down because it's too much. And I run screaming like, I can't do this. There's no way you can do that if you try to look at the big picture. Right. And rebuilding from the pieces that were destroyed, like, you don't need to. You don't need to bring the old into the new, which is hard, too, because I... I mean, people would tell me you need new people, places, and things because it's hard to not go back to the old friends. And for me, I guess that was really hard because I thought, how am I going to make friends? That was a big part of the rebuilding was creating a sober network. Um, and you can't go back to the old people and places and things and try to rebuild your life with the same material that was present when you destroyed it. It's really interesting. I had a conversation the other night with Vicki about just relationships, friendships, that kind of thing. And she said, how long have you been sober? And it's just over two years. I've actually 26 months yesterday. And um, she said year three is when you really start seeing those next step level changes happening where relationships that used to be so important don't serve you as well. And when I say don't serve you, that sounds like a really selfish thing. But what it what I think of is that it's not being in in my best interest, I guess. It's hard to it's hard for me to articulate this in a way that doesn't sound really self-absorbed. And it's not being self-absorbed. It's trying to be healthy. And it's it's not just about me being healthy. If it's a relationship that's not um what it used to be and it can't find new legs, it's not helping that person either. Right. But I can't worry about them. I can only worry about my journey and making the best decisions. So I think part of it, there's a couple things that you guys made me think of. One is it's about recreating a new life that 
is healthy, number one, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And it's also about discovering who we are and what what we want. And I think that, you know, when I when we were talking about that, Lynn, that the, the you know, the first year you're just holding on to your hat and trying to not drink, right? And sometimes, you know, some people the the year mark isn't necessarily the um the time frame doesn't have to be like a hard at one year you do this and at two year you do that. But the second year be becomes a little bit more emotional. You get, you really start to discover your feelings, right? And I think when you get get into that mode where you're you're used to practicing how to use some of these tools with your emotions, then you really get into how do I live life emotionally sober? How do I do these things on an emotional level? with other people, right? I think we kind of stay in our bubble. At least I kind of stayed in my bubble for a long time of the, you know, 12-step rooms. And um, I mean, I'm losing my train of thought, but, but what it basically boils down for me was thinking of it as recreating instead of rebuilding was really important because I got to do different things and I got to make different choices. And, and I really couldn't apply it to my relationships until I got through my own stuff. Oh, absolutely. And I, in the beginning, the rebuilding is just not drinking, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the foundation of it all is don't drink. So when you're new, you can't even really too much picture what you like, what you want your life to be in the third year of sobriety or whatever, because you're just thinking, am I going to make it to... Next Halloween. Month? Yeah. Yeah, to Halloween. You try to think about that, and then people have to check you and say, whoa, whoa, one day at a time. But patience, too, in rebuilding, like, you cannot build a house overnight, and but you want to. And for me, when I couldn't drive, that felt like that was holding me back from rebuilding. When I finally did have some time under my belt and I still couldn't drive, I, I felt... That patience was hard because I just wanted to go and go and go and blossom and, and do it. But God's timing, man, is everything. You know, there probably, I can look back now and see that there were reasons why everything happened as slowly and as carefully as it did, right? Because if you move too fast, you scare away the little woodland creatures. You know, sometimes we want to move too fast and everything crumbles again, like it Jenga. Does. It does. You pull that one block out and yes. it all falls down. You know what's really interesting? Um, while you were talking, both of you, I was thinking about um, that first year. And for me, what was easiest is to deal with um, things that were tangible, like my finances, a job, those types of things. Because a lot of people, um, when they finally hit their bottom, when we say devastation, it can be uh, devastation is a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But for me, it was good to focus on work and finances because those were things that I could make a clear cut plan with because I still wasn't used to feeling my feelings. I wasn't used to understanding my emotions and the roller coasters and it was a little overwhelming and scary. And I knew that if I tried to do that too much, that it would um, be, you know, it would be overwhelming and then I could uh, have a relapse. So if I could focus on my tangible life things, uh, that to me was very manageable. That's good advice, you know, and if you can. Well, that's the first place I saw, and I don't know if I talked about this 
um, at another episode, but the first place I saw a difference in my life was in work. And I was doing the next right thing. I was picking up the phone. I was making the calls. I was doing the work, whether I wanted to or not. I was practicing the program and that part, those part of my affairs. I couldn't figure out how to do it with my family yet. That was that was not even. I couldn't function that way. I, I had to focus on a little bit at a time and practice these things until I got more tools. Tools. Those are the things that we learn in working the program and learning all of these um, ways to deal with the curveballs that life throws at you. Because, you know, we always say that life still happens. Good things and bad things still happen. And learning a new way to celebrate, revel, and manage it. Um, just kind of, it comes with time, you know. There's no there's no silver bullet. There's no easy answer. It's it's just like life. It's time. It's experience. You know. It you just have to keep keep coming back and asking for help and being open and vulnerable and willing and accepting. Well, yeah, and I agree with that. And I also think that when you're rebuilding, it's okay to protect yourself. And you are going to go and have a lot of stuff thrown at you and you're going to go through a lot of stuff. Um, So one of the ways to manage that so that your house doesn't crumble and the Jenga tower doesn't tumble is to protect yourself when you can. So make sacrifices to say no to things that might hurt you or put you at, at risk. Because when I, you know, when I, I see sometimes the biggest obstruction to someone's progress or them rebuilding their life is they quick want to quickly move and think they have the strength to do things and go go to places where they maybe maybe shouldn't. So and I just think of if you want to really rebuild your life, make some sacrifices in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Humble yourself to sit on the sidelines for some of life's events. Maybe you don't go to that family party. Maybe you have Thanksgiving at your house this year and tell people they can't bring alcohol, you know, or whatever it is. You set up some boundaries, some parameters so that you can rebuild the right way. Well, and I think what's so important is to rely on people that have come before you and to get that that help from people that have done it and that are doing it and that are living it. And and to really, the, the title of our podcast is No Coincidence. That's what my sponsor used to have me do, and that's how I rebuilt myself, was telling on myself, mm-hmm. telling when I wasn't comfortable, telling when I didn't know what to do, telling when, you know, I would always talk to her about things and she would say, bring it to the tables. Bring it to the tables and see if there's somebody else that's gone through it and how they got through it. And we really have to rely on each other and the wisdom of some time and some, the people, you know, they tell you when you first come in, stick with the winners, right? And that doesn't mean we are all winners, we're all miracles, but the people that you want what they have are usually the ones that are working a really good program and that are that are working on themselves and that do understand that it's a process and it's not it doesn't happen overnight 
And I did not like hearing that in the beginning because I wanted it to be quick. I wanted to stop feeling the pain. Well, isn't that the best thing when they say to you, well, it took years for you to destroy your life. It's going to take some time to rebuild it. And you're like, (laughs) yeah, when I did the math that it was 22 years of me partying, other than being pregnant, me partying every single at least weekend, I'm like, that's sobering, isn't it? That's a long ass demolition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Vicki, when you were talking about um, working the program, can you be a little more specific about that? Well, there's there's lots of important things that are wrapped up in that. You know, we use that a lot. So thanks for putting me on the spot. I love it. Um, <laughs> number one, it's it's continuously going to the rooms. I think that's one of the the at the beginning starting to go into the rooms and getting a sponsor mm-hmm. and really working on right quick getting a sponsor that has a sponsor first of all and working on the steps the sooner you can start working on your steps the steps are how you really rebuild i mean that's the that's the textbook we have are the the 12 steps of of uh of our program and start get started there because that's where all the answers are that's where the freedom is that's where the that's where the big juicy cement trucks come in and and really for your new foundation for that house. Um, I know from my experience, when I first started trying to recover and I was going to meetings in Kentucky, I was just going to meetings. I I attempted, like half-hearted, attempted to read the big book. And the first time you go at it, because that's kind of how I think of it, the um, language is a little archaic for us. It's it's hard to it's it's like unwieldy. It's kind of uh, clunky uh, to read at first, and then to be able to get anything from it, to be able to have any kind of critical thinking when you're kind of all an emotional mess anyway. To to attempt that by yourself, that in itself is like setting yourself up for failure. I found, and I did fail. I failed many many times until I got a sponsor. And the one interesting thing while you guys were talking about that that it's so important mentorship. When I came here to Illinois, I had a very strong sponsor when I got sober and and um, started working the program. I worked my steps and I was feeling really good. Came to Illinois and then I met my tribe, you ladies and some other ones, and discovered that that re- relationship with the sponsor, even though it's it's so incredibly important, I find mentorship with all of these women that I call my tribe. I can call any one of them and they know my story and they know. They know me, so they know when I'm when I'm talking about something that's really difficult for me to talk about or to be vulnerable. They understand that, and that comes into it. And that's really, real. It's been incredibly important to me. But it does not discount how important meetings are because to be able to walk into any place in the world, not just in this country or this state or this city, in the world, and know that you have like-minded people that understand how you feel. That's, I mean, it's irreplaceable. You can't put a price on it. You can't, you can't put any type of value on it because it's, it's so important. So it's interesting how the program has so many different levels of support. If so, we let it, though. Yeah. That's the key. Is if we let it, if we allow ourselves to be seen, if we allow ourselves to admit where we're we're lacking and where we're not and and if we allow people into our lives 
at the beginning, I only allowed very small number of people into my life, even in this program. And I had tons of meetings. I was going to meetings every day, but uh, not letting people know my tells so they couldn't call me out. Um, it took a real long time for me to, to crack that shell of letting people in and knowing and seeing me and mm-hmm. and, and telling me sometimes the hard truths that I didn't want to hear. Yeah, it's 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 the tough love sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if you can't trust your groups and your meetings and your sponsor to be honest with you, then it, it's not going to work. But you have to trust. And that's a big thing. It's like willingness and surrender and acceptance and trust. And we're all here for the same reason. When we when we show up at a meeting or we call someone for help, it's they know, they understand. And it's so when you think about rebuilding your life, you're not doing it alone. That walk is never, ever alone. We admitted we were powerless. Mm-hmm. I mean, that we is, is so important. And, and intentional. And, and so this brings me to a question that I want to throw at, at you ladies. What about the people that first of all, aren't in the program that don't have a problem that, that want to rebuild their lives, what, what, what can they do? I think with anything, you look at what's been destroyed, what's been devastated, and what's the small step that you can take. I read this meme the other day, and it said, drink that first glass of water, walk that one block, write that first word. It's all about action. And, and Vicki, you love using the relentless forward motion. That's what it is. And, and even if you doubt it, if you're scared, if you think it's stupid, action. Yeah, and I think it, action... If you're not in program, it's then just being honest with the people in your life and doing the next right thing anyways, because that is something we say in program, but you can use that if you're not in program too, because that rebuilds trust and relationships in your life and they're small steps. And it's like, you can't even see it because, you know, people, when they get sober, they want everyone to trust them again and, Mm -hmm. you know, their boss to trust them again and their husbands and wives and kids to like them again. And it's, no, you got to, one decision at a time, one action at a time, do the next right thing. Mm-hmm. And you won't have to convince anyone with your words. Your actions will speak louder than your words. Living amends. And if you can't, if you can't uh, fix a relationship or a problem that you broke, because let's face it, we all break things. If you can't fix that, we call it paying it forward. You help the next person and service it's amazing how much service helps you to get yourself out of your head and your problems. And that's for anybody. You know, we all say we don't have time and our lives are so full and that, you know, that's part of the busyness that we use sometimes for avoidance. But if you use service to help someone else, then I, I feel like that's a great healing tool. Well, and, and you said something living amends, um, that is really changing your behavior without going and apologizing to the people in your life that you hurt. So my my amends to my kids early in recovery was to be present and to be there and, and to live a different way so that they could see a change in me. I didn't have to prove it or talk about it mm-hmm. or it, it's about doing it and it's about showing it through your actions. Exactly what you said, Brie. Yeah. 
be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Show up. And be present while you're yeah. there too, not yeah. just physically. Yeah, and drink that glass of water and take that lap around the track and write yeah, that water, page. Water, not beer, <laughs> not near beer, not shots, water. Just water. kidding. Yeah, for shot. <laughs> no. Of water. Of water. Of water. Well, I think, I think we might be ready for some golden nuggets. I got a golden nugget today. Do it. So my golden nugget for rebuilding and looking back on how I rebuilt was just patience. I had to have patience and I did have to live one day at a time. And as uncomfortable as it was to not rush anything, I just did not have to, I, there, I couldn't. And looking back now, I see why everything went the way it went. And I had you guys to keep my head screwed on right and trust that the flowers would grow out of the manure. The that, lotus would grow out of the mud. But the patience, it's, it's not my timing. It's God's, you know, control. Letting go of the control to have everything my way when I want it, when I, mm-hmm. when I thought it should be that way. Well, self-will run riot is what got us into this mess. And if we rely on that self-will, we can't get to that point where life gets easy. It's, it's so hard when we're trying to control it. Well, going along with the patience thing, I think specifically when I see people or when I myself felt I deserved something, you know, I got sober, so now I deserve everything to be fixed right away. So patience. No, you do not. One step at a time, one day at a time. It will work itself out. Do not be hasty. Do not be hasty. I think for me it's um, not being not letting yourself get overwhelmed by a huge task. Vicky said this one time and I love it. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And that's how you you fix not fix your life. How you rebuild your life to in a way that's going to be sustainable for you is you do pick one task and let it be a tangible thing like a job or your finances, something that that's easier than in the beginning, at least when you're not emotionally as stable. Work on just fixing one thing. That's it. Write it down, make a plan, and do it. I have a question. This, this this whole idea about eating an elephant, you know, this is a saying that we hear a lot. Does anyone actually eat elephants? You know, like it's so weird. Like really awful people. Tigers, yeah. lions, bears. Oh, that's true. That's true. But I mean, really, uh, the the idea is they say, well, eat the frog first or something too. I mean, who's eating all these things? I have not heard I've that I've never one. heard eat a <laughs> you frog. You haven't heard eat the frog? Like it's in the beginning of your day, like the hardest thing that you don't want to do, you're supposed to eat the frog. Maybe it, that's oh, not the saying. Right. What, whatever the saying really is, will someone please tell me? Because I don't know, but I got a new golden nugget. <laughs> <laughs> we could say, how do you eat a moose? Because we do know those get eaten. Yeah. One bite at a time. First person to the roadkill wins. <laughs> I don't think I can love you anymore, Bree. <laughs> I can just picture us like in uh, a contest. In the bush. <laughs> in the bush. <laughs> and, we're, and, and we're in our when our trucks and we have all our saws and our hatchets and Lynn whips out a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got the quarter high. Lynn would kick our asses in any sort of wilderness woman contest, Vicky. (laughs) But we could learn from her. What are you saying? I couldn't be in the wilderness? Oh, we could learn. We could learn. But starting right now. So when I watch Game of Thrones, I wanted to be a wilding. 
Oh, yeah, I can see that. Totally. Oh, yeah. I wanted to be Daenerys. Me too. <laughs> oh, my. Well, I, and there's nothing wrong with riding a dragon. Come on. <laughs> All right. I think we're, we're about ready to, to sign off on episode 20. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of Telling on Ourselves. Please rate, review, share, subscribe, download our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you want more Telling on Ourselves, please find us and follow us and like us on Instagram and Facebook at Telling on Ourselves. Tribe out.